Welcome, everybody, to episode 27 of your favorite Web3 show, Weekly Roundup with Reiki. We're going to start right off with our project updates, and then right after that, we're going to jump into the market updates. There's a lot of interesting things happening for both our project and the market, so this one's going to be a good one. So starting things off for our project, those of you that have been around for the past few weeks, you know we've been working very hard to get to where we are today. Our phase two mint is officially open for public. Uh, Presale went really good. Uh, a lot of Leon family members that were already supporting us showed up in huge numbers. And we're so proud to say that we're sitting at close to about 300 Leons minted for phase two. And you know that the limited supply is actually at kicking in and people don't realize they're going to go by fast. Um, so we're excited to welcome new Leon family members. We already have had a lot of incredible Leon family members join from other communities because they see the mission. They see why we're here. They see the level of transparency that we bring. So before I dive into what happened with the presale and all the amazing stuff that we went through, I want to reiterate how phase two mint allocation is going to work. So 550 of phase two NFTs were going to be used and are going to be used for our company creation. And those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, why the company creation and all that stuff, if you go to our Spotify, there is the TCFX episode that both founders did leading up to the mint. There were six episodes talking about the whole project leading from MetaLeon Society, the story behind it, the ecosystem, to the TCFX business, all of that stuff. So our Spotify is the best place to go. Look for MetaLeonSociety.io for the website. All the information is in our uh, server. So if you go to official links, uh, podcasts is another channel which has all the latest weekly roundups. So you'll see all of that there. So back to the mint allocation, 550 NFTs are going to be allocated for company creation and legal fees. 450 of the NFTs for phase two are going to be used for the MetaLeon Society ecosystem. Those of you that remember the roadmap, the ecosystem is something that we promised for, uh, for quarter three of 2023, but we are trying to get ahead of our schedule because you know that's how we work. We under-promise and over-deliver. That has always been the promise to the Leon family, and we have kept it up till date, and we don't plan to change that anytime soon. So depending on how phase two mint goes, we could start work parallelly, getting started with the company creation on one side for TCFX, and on the other side, getting started with the ecosystem um, so that our Leon family members can start uh, playing around in the ecosystem, upgrading their random Leons into historics, all the fun jazz. So um, the next piece I want to talk about is the incredible impromptu minting party that um, I was able to host for our Leon family. We were blessed that we had Alex and Antonio both present and they were in Alex's dad's restaurant working like crazy to make sure that all the questions of the tickets that are open answered, uh, answering impromptu questions for developers, a lot of stuff happening, but they still managed to be there uh, and tag team on answering questions that honestly nobody had in the community, but I decided to basically those that were present experienced two major things. Number one, what an actual DYOR looks like. So I actually asked them questions around the legal team, around the Swiss uh, the Swiss consortium of all the blockchain companies that they're talking about. I opened up each and every link and walked through each and every one of those. So the community can see how to research projects. When you, when you get to talk to founders, what kind of questions you want to ask? How do you want to learn more about the project? And overall, like the revenue generation business model, like how do you ensure that you are going to be successful? And there's certain things you can look at and ensure that the founders know what they're talking about. So that was such an incredible alpha full discussion, impromptu discussion that we had. And then followed up with that, we had such a heartwarming session with the Leon family where we were just vibing out about just being here for each other and, and the kind of community we have built over the last year um, of people that not only are long-term investors, but are people that genuinely care about each other, that know that 
together we're building the future of Web3. And it's not built just by delivering projects or just by creating hype. It's, it's a lot more than that. It takes genuine care and respect for what you believe in and owning up to the brand. Each and every one of us are Leons. When people outside of the Leon family start noticing that what a Leon means, like being a Leon, what does that mean? They will know that it is the best thing out there. It is the best way to ensure your long-term happiness and the long-term success of your life in general, because it's being a Leon is a way of life. It's a way of continuing to pushing yourself, to educate yourself, to learn and grow and help others on the way, uplifting others. And it shows in each and every Leon family member's approach to things, all these community events that are happening. Um, just a quick shout out um, to uh, our incredible Leon family members that have joined us. Like Redu has been putting out so much incredible content. And I know Chewit recently joined and so many incredible posts that I'm seeing out there on Twitter, I can barely keep up. And I am loving each and every one of those posts out there. And that is what we're trying to attract in this space. We're trying to attract these long-term players that know that things are good things don't happen overnight and quality things take time. And at the same time, building quality relationships with people. So I just wanted to give shout out to each and every one that was there present live for the mint party. And I know we're in a weird time zone situation with all of our Leon family members all over the world. So those that were not able to attend, sorry about that, but it was a super awesome um, impromptu Leon party. So grateful everybody could join. Um, so talking about the phase two again, um, those that were, those that minted, Everybody should now be able to see their Leon. So the reveal is live. So if you don't see your Leon, just go ahead and refresh your metadata uh, metadata on OpenSea and you should be able to see your Leon revealed. We are already seeing a lot of combination of traits that we haven't seen before. I'm loving each and every one of those. So keep those coming, keep them in, keep minting them because you never know the legendary, I think is still out there. So who knows who's going to get their hands on it. Um, so another incredible news item that was literally announced and our founders are so amazing. Uh, both of these guys keep thinking about ways to give back to the Leon family. And they just announced right before my weekly roundup um, that everybody that participated in phase two uh, launch, uh, everybody that is minted would be eligible for getting a airdrop of a Leon to them if they minted 10. So for every 10 Leons that you mint, you will get a Leon airdrop to you. It's just a way of giving our thanks that no matter what happens out there, no matter how crazy things get, the Leon family keeps showing up and keeps supporting us in the vision that we're building. And in turn, it's our responsibility to give back to you in the best way possible. So that's that. Um, another incredible news got dropped on us by our friends at Worlds Beyond. So Worlds Beyond is an incredible metaverse um, project that's building out this uh, sandbox for people to be able to build their own metaverse games and experiences. Uh, Metalion Society is one of the first few uh, integrations that they've built into their ecosystem. So if you didn't see our announcement yet, there is a video that they put out there with a wonderful visual banner uh, for our partnership. And we're also in discussions with them. So the Leon, it will be a playable character in their ecosystem. So it was funny and so exciting to watch our Leon just go out there with guns and then fly with a jetpack. In being a Leon in the ecosystem, adapting to the changes. So it's just incredible. So I'm talking about the real utility that we have and all these incredible uh, partnerships that we build long term with these incredible ecosystems in different parts of Web3. Our tentacles are going to be in each and everything in the space when we go long term. You think about anything, we will be in it. But our focus continues to remain TCFX in the revenue generation aspect because that's where the real value lies and that's where our focus is. 
And that's where the future lies because tokenization is the future, according to Larry Fink, by the way, who is the founder of Black, not the founder, but CEO of BlackRock, literally the largest um, asset manager on the planet. So our head's in the right place, our heart's in the right place, our mission is in the right place. So we continue to del deliver there. Um, another piece of news. So now that you know that the public mint is live and it's open to everybody to mint, so we love to welcome new fe Leon family members. We also uh, were dropped this news by our founders uh, a few hours ago alongside the one airdrop per 10 Leon gift for the Leon family. Um, the pre-sale, so people that weren't able to mint during pre-sale, they don't need to worry. We will be opening pre-sale windows. So there'll be a few hour windows every week, I believe every week. Don't quote me on this. I'm hoping every week, but we'll, we'll see. Um, we will be opening windows for pre-sale people that wanted to support us early and that have been around um, since the start. Like They will get the opportunity to mint at pre-sale um, every few times during a certain period of time until we completely mint out during our uh, phase two. So keep a lookout for that. I know we heard from a lot of Leon family members they weren't able to mint uh, because of some either life issues or time zone issues and things like that. But we absolutely try our best to accommodate every Leon family member, and we don't want anyone to miss out if they really wanted to support and grab more Leons. So that will be an option as well if you missed out on pre-sale um, and you were eligible. So another thing to talk about is what is our plan with our phase two mint so we have absolutely no problems for phase two to leave the mint open and for people to mint as they feel we have no rush for anything as you know we have been very financially responsible with the project literally the founders have put in their personal money from the start even now to get the ball rolling on company creation, um, they put in their own personal funds so that they're not waiting around for the end of phase two mint so they can do that. Um, so talking about that, we have enough to get going on starting the procedures. So there's no need to rush anything. Um, as we know, there's a lot of other costs other than just creating the company. And there's a lot of legal fees that goes into the, the just other fees that come with creating a company. So uh, we want to make sure that um, we're being diligent and keeping the mint open for people that feel like they want to get more ETH over time and feel no pressure to make their decisions. So we want to accommodate everybody. So we are planning on keeping the public sale open. There's no pressure for us to close it. So uh, we just want to be as accommodating as possible for future Leon family members, currently on family members. And just just go um, go based on our strategy. We always have a plan for everything. So knowing that we have a plan, knowing that how we have budgeted ourselves, we are in a good spot to make sure that we can continue to deliver on our roadmap promises. Um, there's no need for us to close the mint anytime soon. So you have an opportunity to let your friends uh, know, people that you trust, people that you know they should be in Web3. Um, this is our opportunity. Um, then directly from our founders, they ensured that we have the funds to kickstart the legal procedures that we need with leaks, which is our lawyer firm and those that were available yesterday, I actually went through with our founders and we drilled down to the specific partner of that law firm that we were working with. And it was so cool. So those of you that missed out, I'm sorry, but those of you that were there, that's what DYOR looks like. It was pretty cool that we like looked at their profile, looked at who they are. It's it's amazing uh, to do that. So um, they are so Alex and Antonio are having a face to face meeting with the lawyer that we looked at yesterday. That's the partner they're working with in New Chateau. And again, New Chateau is the place where all the main blockchain companies are registering their companies because of the because of the legal clarity and crypto-friendly laws that they have to accommodate innovation. So they're having that meeting with the lawyer tomorrow. So they're going to kickstart the legal procedures. Um, so that is exciting news. It's funny how we just don't wait for even a day. Things keep rolling. That's how the Leon family works. We don't wait for things to happen. We make things happen. 
Um, so now what they're looking at, so now the founders are looking at a fixed deadline on which they can start the operations for TCFX. So you know that our crowdfunding platform is ready to go. It was ready in December. We promised end of the year delivery, which we completed. So now it comes to onboarding clients, right? So they're going to be finalizing when officially they can start uh, making TCFX operational and start onboarding clients. They can also then start talking to the big angel investors and VC family offices uh, about the projects and the fundraising research that they want to work on, all that stuff. They're also working on establishing a new brand for our project. So why this change? So if you notice for the past um, six to seven months, we've been very heavy on promoting Metal Leon Society. The NFT collection itself, the lore itself, even the website, all that stuff has been very focused on Leon's. And it is amazing. We love our collection. It is definitely our MVP. It is one of, if not the best, one of the best collections out there with the details that we have with attributes and everything, with the double rarity system. All of that is incredible. But the identity of the brand, the color scheme, is going to eventually transition. So we are maturing as a project. So we, from the PFP part and the ecosystem part of Medallion Society, we now want to transition the brand to be more focused on TCFX, the business itself, because that is what's generating and pushing the revenue. And that's where the that's where the overall goal lies. So Medellin Society in general is going to take a backseat in terms of our promotions and the content that we've been creating. You you can expect a lot more infographics and a lot more explanations and, and uh, just general artwork to come out for specifically TCFX at this point. Doesn't mean anything uh, in terms of like our focus or anything, but the reality is we needed a strong Metalion Society brand to build a strong TCFX brand. So now that we realize that we have built this investor base of in highly motivated long-term investors, people that understand what we're trying to do, it's now time to transition into pushing TCFX because that is the hidden gem. That is the secret sauce that we have that really needs to be put out there when we have all the regulatory clarity, we can push the company, all of these things coming together is going to be incredible for our exposure and the project. So we're going to start leading the conversations from um, the perspective of TCFX more rather than Metalion Society, even though they're going to continue existing side by side. And you know that TCFX is going to feed into Metalion Society. So it's this is the phase, this is where the train has left the station, everybody that could get on, got on. These are the last few opportunities for people to get on the train of Metalion Society because when TCFX hits the market, people are going to know that, wow, this is, this is what's being delivered. And then they see the collection behind it. And then they notice that, oh, well. And this is personal opinion of Reiki, by the way. This is Reiki speculating um, because this is the future all of us see together. And when people see this amazing platform and they see that these are the capabilities we're providing, then they try to get discounts and special abilities within the platform. And they realize they need to own a historic in order to do that. Then they try to go to OpenSea and then they realize there's literally no historic listed and there's one historic listed for five ETH. What do you think is going to happen? So eventually it all boils down to delivering value. When you keep your eye on the prize, you keep your eye on the actual value that's delivered, you don't need fake hype. You don't need people pushing the floor. You just need to deliver value. And over time, your collection grows in value. That's simply it. And a lot of projects out there don't think of it like this because they don't really have a business model. And having a good business model requires a lot of focus, requires a lot of dedication. You could have a good business model, but then execution would be a problem. So just wanted to make sure that the Leon family knows that this is the transition phase for us. We have delivered, we have built a strong brand already with Meta Leon Society. Now it's time to bring, build the strong brand for TCFX. And together, these two strong brands 
are going to literally change the game of Web3. So those of you that have been here since the start already know what killer brand MetaLeon Society already is, the quality of content we put out there, best visuals in Web3, I would say, for community, the GMs to the engagement posts on Twitter, all of those, we have created over 300 of those community engagement um, artworks. And we have plans in the future to do something with them, either figure out a way to either auction them or have people bid on something like that for so people can have one on one of one's community artworks and that is just ideation phase don't put me on um on quotations on this these are just ideas that we have or when we have completely delivered the roadmap um so yeah exciting stuff happening for tcfx um it's going to be the face of the project moving forward uh, that's the transition we're talking about and that's the goal that the founders have as well. So they want to promote TCFX um, since that is the true business and the mission behind Meta Leon Society. Um, and we're going to focus more on explaining how the business benefits people owning Leons rather than focusing on Meta Leon visuals and content. So there's going to be a lot of focus on TCFX. Uh, that's pretty much all I had for our project updates. Exciting times coming for us. We know when to take steps. We know how to plan things. We know how to plan ahead of time. And we're strategic about every big or small thing that we do. So rest assured, you can know that these are exciting times for the Leon family. Uh, we are continuing to put pillars out there for our business. So Meta Leon Society is one pillar. TCFX is one pillar. So one pillar is already strong. The second pillar is being built. Once that is strong, we know that the building that we're making is going to stand for the years to come. So we're very excited for that stuff. Um, now we're going to move over to the market updates. It is very serious stuff that I want to talk about with everybody. I know sister, I was talking to her uh, in one of her spaces this morning uh, about the phase two mint. Uh, she did mention that <laughs> she was excited to listen to my views on what's happened in the banking sector over the last few days. And yes, I have been awake for hours and hours, not just for all of that news and uh, stuff that I wanted to dig into, but especially for our uh, round two, uh, especially for uh, our phase two mint and making sure our Leon family is safe from hackers. Um, so what I want to talk about is Operation Choke Point 2.0. So I gave you information about what Operation Choke Point is and why the government is uh, why the government agencies are actively working against crypto in the United States. So what we saw in the banking sector, so those of you that don't know what happened in the banking sector in the U.S. over the last few days, between Friday and Sunday, SVB Bank, which is Silicon Valley Bank, which had assets, uh, which had a net worth of uh, about $307 billion um, collapsed and the Fed had to come in, FDIC, which is the ins bank insurance uh, organization um, created by the government. They stepped in. Everybody had to step in over the weekend and figure out what they want to do with this bank. Um, so what happened was this is the second largest collapse of banks in the history of United States banking, which is not a small thing at all. Uh, USDC, which was a stable coin, which is a stable coin, by the way, which is back to its peg at this point. So it's pegged to dollar one for one. Uh, the price of USDC has always been $1 for the longest time ever since they were created. They're actually one of the most trusted names because they're backed by uh, some of the biggest companies in the world. They're backed by BlackRock. They're black, backed by Circle. They're backed by, I think, a lot of other companies. So they they have a huge reputation to live up to. Um, they made a public statement stating that they had about $3.6 billion, which happened to be about 20% of their cash reserve. They had that in SVB Bank. So right when that news came out, um, their peg dropped to like 87 cents or something. And that's the biggest drop in their peg that has happened in their history of existence. It's never even gotten below 95 cents at all. I don't think it's ever gotten to 95 cents. It was like 99.998 was the worst that it's ever seen. Um, so with that news coming out, a bunch of other crypto companies came out and um, a lot of other big companies like Roku, which is a TV service company, uh, had about 
I think 800 million of your of their reserves in that bank. So what happened was the Fed came in and the, the Treasury also came in for the US and bailed out this bank. And when I say bailed out, the government and here's the difference here's the difference between what the government tells you and what's really happening. So Biden came out to the public and said two things. One, all of the deposits of all of the deposits are always going to be completely protected by the US government. So if you have a deposit in a bank, it's always going to be completely covered. So that was a sign of relief like okay, my deposits will be good and it's all great. Then they also announced that they're going to provide a loan to the bank, which is SVB Bank, to protect it from failing. And the, the, the extension of the second thing you said was, this is not a bailout. This is just a loan, a short-term loan for a year. And then they have to pay things back so that they don't have to sell their long-term assets for a loss. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But answer one thing, Biden, where the hell is that free money coming from? And I basically um, figured out that this is just preposterous. This money is definitely going to come down to the taxpayer. The bill is going to go to the customers of these banks eventually. If you're going to increase the fees on these banks and make them be more secure on how much funds they can use to invest, these banks are going to make profits some way. So eventually what's going to end up happening, and Biden said that this is not going to have any effects on the taxpayer. And that's the biggest lie of on this planet, by the way. Anybody with a basic understanding of economics knows that if a, if you put costs on someone that is providing a service, if they don't have means to cut their costs anywhere, they will push that cost off to their customer. And eventually, if there's free money being given out to these banks to protect them, and I'm going to get into why I'm mad, because this bank got bailed out. And another bank was led to collapse, and it's called Signature Bank. And it was another big bank that, that wasn't protected. They let them collapse. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. Uh, I'm not saying that they should be bailed out as well. But here's the shady part. So we talked about SVB Bank. That's all good. That was protected because all of the big investors, all of the Congress people, everybody invested in startups, and major startup companies put their money in this bank. So definitely some phone calls were made over the weekend. And this is all complete speculation, by the way. But it's based off of facts that I know that this bank was banking all of the major startups of the United States. So if this bank would have failed, it would have, it would have looked extremely horrible on the Congress and the current administration. It's like you let the American innovation fail. America stands for innovation. So it was a political move to save the bank, for sure. Because elections are coming up next year, this is would this would be a very bad message. And losing trust in the banking system is just overall bad for the government. So we even though we all know that banking in general and the money from central banks is a Ponzi scheme because they can print as much as they want, they keep increasing the debt ceiling and they have no accountability ever since they got off the dollar, uh, got off the gold standard. Um, the dollar is not by by anything; it's just based on trust. And if you lose trust, what do you have, right? So Signature Bank is what I want to talk about, because if you remember my weekly roundup from last week, what happened last week was Silvergate Bank went down. And I think actually it was two weeks ago. Silvergate Bank was one of the biggest, actually the biggest crypto bank that had incredible technology for letting people uh, swap like their customers, which were big companies like Coinbase and Kraken. They let them swap US dollar for stables and crypto 24-7. And that was such a great feature to have because banks don't function outside of working hours and weekends. So U.S. government did not step in when Silvergate Bank collapsed, knowing how big it was for the innovation of crypto. Signature Bank is where all of the crypto companies went when Silvergate Bank closed. And by the way, Silvergate Bank voluntarily closed their services. And I repeat, voluntarily closed their services down. That bank was not bankrupt. They did not have money problems. They returned everybody's money and said they're going out of business. Don't you think some pressure was being put? Why would you close your business when you don't have any problems? Common sense, right? Someone definitely made a phone call, either threatening or some way, 
like you cannot do business in the US because we don't want crypto here. Something like that. Because it doesn't make sense for a bank to voluntarily stop operations if they're not going bankrupt. There's banks all over the world in so much debt that they can never pay off that debt and they still continue to function. So for this bank to close when they had no money problems is a definitely a red flag to me. Signature Bank is where everybody went right after that. And guess what happened to Signature Bank? They closed down too last weekend. But guess what happened? Signature Bank did not get bailed out. One of their top executives, I think he also created some legislature around the 2008 financial crisis, which is ironic because he happened to be in Signature Bank and this happened to him. He made a public statement saying the grounds, FDIC in general, was very surprised when uh, they were told that Signature Bank would need bailout because there was no need for a bailout for Signature Bank. Signature Bank was not in a financial crisis. They were asked to close down. Second biggest crypto bank closed down. So what's happening here? Clearly, Operation Choke Point is happening in front of our eyes. These government agencies are actively pushing crypto businesses out of business. They're putting a chokehold on any interaction between traditional finance and crypto. They're cutting those ties. They're making it harder for people to either on-ramp or off-ramp to crypto. What are the grounds? And the funny thing is, uh, the senators like Senator Warren, they're blaming crypto for all these meltdowns of the banks. The reality is everybody knows that these meltdowns are happening for two simple reasons. Fractionalized banking, which is the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world on which banks work. Your, your money that you put in the bank is never there. They use your money to get rich off of you. We Everybody knows it. So when all of the banks all together have a run on the banks, which is something that was, that is why Biden had to come um, on stage and remind the American people that, hey, your money's safe. We're going to cover it because we didn't want a mass bank run on the banks because the things that FTX and all these like crypto companies we're doing is exactly what the banking system does. Sad thing is crypto is too small and easily vulnerable to all these problems. Banking systems have bigger banks. They have lots of money to buy out these banks. It's good for them. It's good for government, more centralization. The more you bank with the bigger banks, the easier it is for them to control you. It's just, it's just very dystopian. And you know me as a person, I'm a very optimistic and positive person. And that is why I have positive news for you as well. And I have some action plans that individuals can do, which is free of cost, to protect the innovation of Americans. And Americans want this industry to exist in America. The average American loves crypto. 20% of Americans have, have access to crypto even today. So this is a product that people realize is, is helping them. And when all of these banks were collapsing, Bitcoin went up from $20,000 to $26,000. Guess what was happening? People were taking out their money from banks putting it in Bitcoin, because guess what? Bitcoin does not over leverage your money. It's transparent. If you own Bitcoin, it is yours. If it's on the ledger, it's yours. You own it in your hardware device, it's yours. If you want to send it to your brother, sister, cousin, anywhere in the world to anybody, nobody can stop you from doing that. So people realize this is a better financial system. So overall, it's good for good for the price and stuff, but I, you know I'm not about the price, I'm about the innovation. When I see so much crackdown happening from the government perspective, I just, it makes me sad that just the, the system is so rigged to benefit only a few people that there's no better solution than to opt out of it. But then opting out of it, you can't just go to a forest and just live off the grid. You still got bills to pay. You got a mortgage to pay. You got a family to feed. You got a job to go to. You can't just opt out of the banking system. So what can you do? You can push for better regulations. You can be more vocal about what you're asking for. You're asking for freedom, which is a very American value. Freedom to right to speech and owning your asset, owning your property is an American value. And I don't know why the, why the government's acting against it, which is the weirdest thing, because that's what China does. And China is not a democracy. So I don't want to get into politics, but I really wanted to bring up 
because the world media, the media is pushing the narrative that you're not going to pay as a taxpayer for all these. This is not a bailout. This is just to protect the protect the people. If you do your common sense research, money has been given to these banks. Where is that money coming from? The taxpayers. If they say it's going to come from a fund, how did the government create that fund? Taxpayers. So it's common sense at this point. Another thing that's uh, happening is, so the Wyoming, the state of Wyoming, um, and again, guys, why is my weekly roundup today focused on America? Because U.S. is still the center of the world's finance. It is the largest market in the world. So you have to respect that what happens in the U.S. is going to have ripple effects in the rest of the world. Because there are a lot of countries in the world that still look up to the U.S. when it comes to regulating innovative technology. U.S. led the internet age. U.S. had the best regulation for the internet, and that's why Silicon Valley was created. That's why we had so many companies come up like Google, Microsoft, Netflix, all these amazing companies that came out. They came out in the U.S. because U.S. had the best regulations. So people still look at the U.S. as the leader in innovation, which is sad because U.S. currently has the most regressive crypto stance that I've ever seen in any country. U.S. is making China look better in terms of crypto regulations, what's happening right now. And it's all happening under the radar because people are ignoring the news because it's it's not comfortable to them and they just want to uh, sh- walk away from it. But my job is to educate you so you know your rights as a citizen. Innovation is how America was built, and that's our job to protect it. And that's what some of the senators and governors are doing. So this governor, and now off to the positive news, like who's who's backlashing against this stuff, right? If there's an agenda to kill crypto in the U.S., who's fighting against it? The governor of the uh, state of Wyoming um, has signed a bill, and that's going to go into law, that specifically mentions that the court system cannot force individuals to disclose their private keys to their digital assets. And I repeat myself. The the bill has been signed and it's going to come into law soon. And it simply says no court can force people to um, basically come, basically force you to get your keys from you. So something happens, nobody can come to you and say, I want your private keys. That, That would be illegal. So that's something that's happening in Wyoming. I hope other states do this as well because... Once they get access to your keys, it's not your crypto anymore. So if they can legally force you to do it, that's the worst thing that can happen. Another thing that happened in South Dakota, the governor of South Dakota has vetoed. She literally vetoed a bill that had, and some of these politicians are so slimy. And when I say slimy is you can see their intentions. This bill that was put on her table and her team's table was a 102 page bill which was literally put at their table a couple days before they were supposed to finish their business. And this bill was not even related to crypto. This bill is related to something completely different. And there's like one paragraph in that 102 pages that literally redefines money, the concept of money, and excludes cryptocurrency and Bitcoin from it. So the governor that went on the news and mentioned that there's these bills are making their ways to other states and other governors and other politicians need to be wary of what's happening here. They need to read their bills very carefully because one line in there, they pass the bill and one line in there could be anti-crypto. And there's an agenda. This agenda is being pushed. And it's very obvious who's pushing the agenda. It's the big banks because they know nobody wants to use these banks anymore. The technology is archaic. They're not good for people. They keep collapsing every 10 years. So clearly, if crypto is vastly adopted and supported, they their Ponzi scheme is going to collapse. How do you keep your Ponzi going? You stop a better product to come into the market. But the beauty about innovation is you can slow it down. You can never stop it. So good for the South Dakota governor who actually read each and every page of the 102 pages and found this little clause in there. And that's a slimy move. Like, you know that this is like the the conversation that was happening, whoever created that bill was like, oh, 
it's a 102-page bill. No one's going to read every line of it. So let's just stick this little thing in there that's going to prevent people from using crypto as money. <sighs> I don't know. I don't. That's why I don't trust politicians too much. It's kind of brains that they have. It's kind of sh just painful. Um, so moving on to New York. So the attorney general, general, if you remember that New York sued, the attorney general of New York sued KuCoin, which is an exchange, and they sued them for issuing securities. And they mentioned that Ethereum is a security. So they offer Ethereum on their platform. Hence, they're not in compliance because they did not register with the SEC. Guess what's happening with that lawsuit? John Deaton, he is a lawyer who has been very involved with the XRP Ripple. If you watch the XRP Ripple lawsuit against uh, the SEC, um, you know this, that there's about 75,000 XRP holders that this guy, the John Deaton guy, he's representing. He's fighting for the rights of the people because neither Ripple as the company or SEC, by the way, whose mission, and I'm air quoting mission, is to protect the investors. The investors had to intervene in the court case because their rights were not being represented by either the SEC or Ripple. So they are a third party helping the judge see a different perspective of the people because SEC is claiming that XRP token is a security. Well, security requires you to have a contract from a company that's issuing the security and the people that are investing in the security. Ripple has no contract with anybody. If you bought XRP on the secondary market, you have no relationship with Ripple. You just bought the token to do whatever you want with it. So these people had to jump in. So John Deaton, when he jumped in to support XRP holders, the Bitcoin holders and Ethereum holders got on his case and attacked him for basically supporting a security. Guess what happened? These Ethereum people, Ethereum is being sued now. See how tribalism is not good for anybody? And I tell this to everyone. If you are a person that believes in crypto is all about one chain like Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever coin you believe in, you don't see the big picture. We're just a small speck in the life of a bigger speck, which is these banking people, the giant banks. Crypto to them is just one big thing that they want to squish. So the more we fight amongst each other, the easier it is for them to pick one by one. So guess what John Deaton is doing? He's working on a class action lawsuit against the New York Attorney General for suing KuCoin and claiming Ethereum is a security because Ethereum is not a security. So the guy that Ethereum people were crapping on for supporting XRP is now helping Ethereum. That's the mindset that we need in this space right now. If you're a person that believes only your coin deserves to win, that is the mindset that will lead to the collapse of crypto. This is the time to stand together and help each other, no matter what ecosystem you're from, be it XRP, be it Ethereum, be it Bitcoin, be it any other coin. You have to help each other. If you are a person that lives in New York and would like to support this class action lawsuit to make sure Ethereum is not a security, which it isn't, in my personal opinion, based on my research, um, just Google John Deaton uh, lawsuit uh, and either DM me, I can find you the Google form that he's pushing out to have people join. And he's going to do the same thing for Ethereum that he did for XRP, represent the views of the people. Because clearly the government agencies don't want to do it. Private companies don't want to do it. Big banks definitely don't want to do it. So who is going to represent the common person? So if you're a person in New York and you want to help this case, get on it, uh, make your voice heard, tweet about it, because um, that's the most we can do. Um, next piece, talking about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Not all CBDCs are bad. And you know the reason I covered CBDCs is because it is great innovation. And if it's done right, it has a lot of potential to help people. So I am standing here um, looking at this amazing piece of news coming out of Australia. And we know we have a lot of amazing Leon family members from Australia. So good news is the National Bank of Australia has completed the first ever stablecoin cross-border transfer. Uh, and it is the first cross-border 
blockchain-based stablecoin transfer by a major financial institution anywhere in the world. So congrats to Australia for being the first. This transaction was done on Ethereum and it supports seven different currencies. The CEO of the bank said that he's extremely uh, proud of this initiative and he knows that there's a lot of benefits to be had in terms of transaction throughput, the time, the cost, and all the other benefits that come with using blockchain. He did say that the future does have um, banking systems utilizing blockchain for better transaction transparency and costs. So kudos to Australia. Good job. World's first NFT, and we're now going to the Middle East because Dubai is apparently on fire with Web3. And we already talked about the fund that they have from the government uh, for Metaverse. And now they have the world's first physical NFT store. So if you've ever wanted to go to an NFT store, go to Dubai because FastX, F-A-S-T-E-X, is the first, the world's first physical NFT store. I got curious about what can you offer in a physical NFT store. So the vision behind a physical NFT store, according to them, is to bring people um, closer from the physical world into the digital world. So they're calling it fidgetal, which is a combination of two words, physical and digital. There's things like uh, guided tours of NFT collections. There's an avatar booth where you can get your picture clicked and get a one-of-one avatar off you made in real time, which will be sent to your wallet. It's amazing. I love it. I wish I was near Dubai so I could go and check out the store. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be more stores. I know Solana has physical stores out there in different places. So I want to visit one of these Web3 stores because nothing better than having a physical store and having people walk in and getting to learn about Web3. So exciting stuff. Um, super bullish on this. Um, good, good, Good for Dubai. Good for them. They're definitely leading the way. Middle East is definitely leading the way along with Asia in terms of Web3 and crypto adoption. So exciting. All right. So some nerdy stuff, some tech stuff for you guys, infrastructure related. Web3 URLs um, are now available uh, for Ethereum. So what am I talking about? So you know how technically when you look at DeFi, you look at uniswap all of these websites sure their smart contract is based on web3 sure the assets that are being swapped are web3 but when you go to uniswap.com when you type www.uniswap.com that www that's coming in there World Wide web that's being routed to you by some centralized server be it godaddy or uh there's a bunch of other centralized like domain name services because I don't want to get too technical about it. But in order to get to these DeFi applications, you have to go through a centralized web service provider. So Ethereum has launched ERC 4804, which is a new standard, which is comparative to HTTPS. So when you type HTTPS, www whatever, so it's like a secure connection that it creates on the World Wide Web, right? It's a protocol. So pretty soon what you'll be able to do is access Web3 resources like NFTs and tokens through the internet. So you will be able to, in a decentralized way, access Web3 resources without needing to go through a DNS host, which is usually a centralized service. So you could do something in the future, like you could type web3 hyphen slash slash like web3 double dot slash slash and then put the resource name just like you go to a website and it will take you to the web3 resource without needing a centralized person. And you're going to be like, Reiki, why the hell are you telling me this? So guys, when we know the government's trying to crack down in a bunch of countries, like US is leading the way in cracking down on crypto for some reason. Um, so when you know the government's overreaching, it's easy for the government to give a call to these big companies and be like, hey, Google, or hey, uh, what's their name? Um, GoDaddy, like, hello, GoDaddy. Just make sure that any crypto company that tries to go through you, you block their domains. So you can't even get to DeFi applications at that point. So that's not really decentralized. You're really relying on a centralized service to get to that if you know how to use smart contracts, then sure, you don't need the UI or the website to swap your tokens. But not everybody has the knowledge to use smart contracts, right? They they rely on the website. 
So this is another way to make sure that no centralized service can uh, just jump in and take away your rights. Another big piece of news is coming from Polygon. And Polygon is a layer two on top of Ethereum. Everybody knows about it. Their token is Matic. They've had a lot of adoption already. They're working with big names like uh, Starbucks, and they're working with Disney. They're working with a bunch of other people. Um, so they have partnered with Unstoppable Domain, and they're launching the .polygon domain. So I could get a Reiki.polygon. And what it's going to help people do is be able to provide human readable. Because right now, when you send your wallet to somebody, that's 16 characters. Nobody has the time to remember 16 characters. And when you copy paste it wrong, you could send your money to the wrong person. So this makes it human readable. And it's easy, just like it's .eth, right? So there's .polygon. So you get to do that with Polygon now. So exciting stuff. Next piece of news, which is the last piece of news that I have, is coming from a Web2 company. Um, this is Web2 to Web3 adoption. So Salesforce, if you don't know what Salesforce is, is one of the biggest customer relationship management software companies. Their net worth is about $175 billion, another incredible startup in the US. So they're not a startup anymore, but they were a startup in the early eras of the internet. So definitely a pioneer of Web2. They are launching Salesforce Web3, which is going to allow their customers to create and manage NFTs and their relations with the holders in a scalable fashion. So another example of a Web2 company jumping into Web3 because they know that is the transition. So I'm excited. I wanted to leave you with positive news, and I hope I did. My job is to absolutely help you realize that things are definitely painful right now, and I don't see them get any better anytime soon. But the reality is, as long as people are fighting against overreach, especially from the government, there's always going to be um, there's these inflection points that come in human races perspective. It happened in London when the anti-car uh, association, well, all the horse and buggy people lobbied against cars and they put in such bad regulations for cars that it was practically impossible to either own a car or produce a car in England. And guess what happened in the 1800s? Car production went to the US because it had better regulations for cars. And companies like Ford came out of that. Same thing's going to happen to crypto. If US keeps putting pressure on crypto and tries to cut it off, other countries that are already adopting like the Middle East and Asia, they're going to run with the technology and have, have all the innovations because all the founders are going to move there. And that's sadly the reality of how the world works. Innovation cannot die. It's like a Pandora's box. You cannot put things back in the box. You can just see it leave your country and go somewhere else. I would rather see it be in the U.S. because U.S. has the resources and has the mindset of the innovator mindset. And I believe in the average person in the U.S. I believe in the innovators, the entrepreneurs in the U.S. So if the government's trying to overreach, then we have to fight back. That's how stuff works. Love each and every one of you. Cannot wait to talk to you in Discord. Have a wonderful day, night, afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. We are Leons, and we're going to make it. Mm -hmm.